no other king shall compare with you. If you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your life. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks.
and other diseases that hurt people that I love and others so many. I remember a time, I remember a lot of times, when I would wish for a special girl to notice me. And I kept looking for a genie to make it happen because nothing else was working. Wishes are not limited to possibilities. Maybe that's one of the best things about wishing. You can wish on anything. Nor are they dependent necessarily on the fact that they'll be granted, but you can still live in a wishing zone, in a wishing area of your life. We can wish out of our desire. We can wish out of our needs and our daydreams. We can wish for others out of love. We can wish for them out of compassion. We can even wish hate on others. So let me ask you a question. If today you could have one wish, what would it be? I want you to think about it. I don't want you to say it out loud. But I want you to think about it. What would your wish be if you could have one wish? Capture that in your mind. Why do you wish it? And who does it serve? I'll get back to that in a second. Today's scripture is a crucial moment in the life of King Solomon. In a dream, in that place where we escape this world and we get to a place where the ancients thought that our soul is more uniquely prepared to sometimes listen to and hear from God, God comes to Solomon in this dream, in this dream of a young king who is just learning out what it is to be king. God comes to him and says this statement, ask for what I can give you. Well, King Solomon thinks about it for a while and he realizes that he is in a place in his life where he knows how much he doesn't know. He doesn't even know how to come in and go out, the scripture says. So he says, God, here's what I wish. I wish you would give me the ability to discern, to know what's right or wrong. I wish you could help me do that. And God is very pleased with his answer. Solomon, you haven't asked to be made rich. You haven't asked to have a long life. You haven't asked to have your enemies destroyed. Therefore, I'm going to give you your wish to be wise, but I'm not going to make you wise. I'm going to make you the wisest king that ever has been or ever will be. You will be known for your wisdom, and also because you asked for that from me, I'm also going to throw in wealth and a long life. How'd you like that to be part of your story? God does what God says will do, and certainly it's true. King Solomon becomes very wise. It's proven in the very next passage of Scripture where two mothers come to him or two women come to him. You know the story, right? And they both are fighting over a child, and there's no DNA testing or anything. And so King Solomon says, well, bring me a knife. We'll cut the child in half. He can each have half. And one woman says, no, no, don't do that. Let her have the child. And he realizes only a mother's compassion will give away the child to save his life. He gives the child back to his rightful mother. Proves his wisdom. 
Solomon so wise that he began to be known throughout the ancient world as the wisest person ever. In fact, the, Prov- the book of Proverbs, which have all the, a lot of the wisdom sayings of, of the Jewish people, you never read them? Have you ever, they're, like, they're like religious fortune cookies. Have you read Proverbs? Um, those wisdom statements are, are given, oftentimes accredited at least to King Solomon's. And in, a, in another uh, generation, the folks who were really, you know, generally biblically aware, if you would have asked the question, who's the wisest man who ever lived? This generation, you probably hear people say, say things like Bill Gates, or I don't know what you hear people say, but they used to say King Solomon, wise man. So why am I telling you this story today, and more importantly, why does it matter? Well, I'm having you hear and reflect on this story today again because this story gives me great hope. But not for the reasons that I think God's going to give me great wisdom. Those of you who work with me the closest are pretty clear that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. Like most genie jokes, though, the focus becomes on the person who receives the wishes being granted. Genie jokes. You don't think much about the genie after the story rolls. You think about about the three guys on the island and two who get pulled back. And you think about the guy who turned 90. But you don't think about the genie. The only time I can ever remember anybody really focusing on a genie was in Aladdin when Robin Williams played the genie, which was like, let's, let's give it up. That was an amazing performance. No, you don't think about the genie. But I want to suggest to you in this story that's exactly where our focus needs to go. We keep focusing on how King Solomon was so wise, but the truth is, if we're going to honor King Solomon, let's honor him as he really was. He was wise, but he was not perfect. He was not a very good husband, unless you want to suggest multiple partners make you a very successful husband. We're not talking 10 or 20, we're talking hundreds of wives. He wasn't a very good father. And while he was wise, he left the kingdom that when he died, it completely disintegrated and never, ever came back together again. He was a wise man, but a flawed man. And God comes to him and says, what do you want? I'll give you what you want, and because you asked for the right thing, I'm going to give you even more. And in my way of thinking, then the focus shifts from Solomon God, except I'm so glad that God said it to Solomon, because if Solomon were wise and perfect, this story has no meaning in my life. But Solomon was as flawed and imperfect as anybody you ever knew, including you, you're the person who's speaking to you right now. God came to Solomon knowing that Solomon was going to mess up an awful lot. God came to Solomon and said, I want to give you something today, even knowing that down the road, Solomon's choices and actions would not always be faithful and holy. I take hope in that. In my life, I've had some good days. In my life, I've had some good weeks. I've even done very well in some certain areas of my life. But if I look at the totality of my life, there have been days where I have not done well or right. There are weeks that have been very painful, usually caused by my own ineptness and sinfulness. 
joints, you know what I mean? This story applies because it is a story of a God who comes to an imperfect man. And on this glorious day, God comes and says, what can I give you, knowing full well everything about the guy? Just like God does with you and I every given day. And that's where the hope of this story comes in for me. When I begin to focus on what it tells me about God, it tells me this. God starts every day by asking you, what can I give you? Have you heard God say that to you recently? Have you been listening? Have you asked? Now, it's not as if God is waiting for you to pull the trigger because God is clueless as to what to do. God asked Solomon because they were in a relationship already. God asked Solomon because in this relationship they were working towards a particular purpose. And God doesn't always wait for us to ask. Have you had blessings given to you this week already you didn't ask for? Have you? Are you breathing? Are you here? Are you alive? Have you eaten in the last 36 hours? Do you have a place to sleep? Do you have friends? Do you have family? Do you have any any measure of health? Did God wait for you to ask for all those things, or did God just give them to you? But amidst all the blessings of our life, God comes every day, I believe, is what this passage says, and ultimately says to us in one form or fashion, what can I give you today? Not for selfish purpose, not for those fantasy wishes I have in my life and you have in yours, but to accomplish the thing that God knows God can accomplish through you. The way that you can experience blessing larger than you ever thought possible on your own. What can I give you, God? you have. Recapture that wish in your mind. Now let me ask you about your wish. Why are you wishing? It's okay to have wishes that have nothing to do with anything. They're just wishes. You know, it's okay to say I want to be 40 pounds lighter and have hair again. There's nothing wrong with that wish. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting to wish about all kinds of manner of things that would just be fun. But who ultimately is served by your wish? Who's blessed by it? I dare to tell you this today, and I'm asking you to think about doing something for the next few weeks. It doesn't take long. When you get up in the I don't know if you do devotions in the morning or not. Maybe some of you do, maybe some of you don't. Why don't you try this? King Solomon would go up on a high place and make offerings to God. I'm just asking you to wake up and not do much else before you do this. When you become conscious 
ask God, what can we do together today, God? And God, if it's possible, could you give me this to help me accomplish it? Because what I'm here to promise you today is this. Before you woke up, while you were sleeping, God already knew what God wanted to accomplish for you today. And God already knows 